Uh, the feed has engaged. Oh my. Okay, and that's it. Hey, everybody. Uh, how you doing? And happy Boxing Day and Merry Christmas uh, out there. It is December 26, 2020, and we're here to, about, to talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 11, Sukal, which is over and has been over for two days. But we're just getting started here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater coming at you with Star Trek TV and Movie Reviews, and I got two great co-hosts to talk to you about this episode tonight. We got Adam Woodward. How are you doing tonight, Adam? Happy Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day. I'm doing great. And we have Michael Chan. How are you doing, Michael? I am good, but extremely tired. I am one tired daddy. One time. Well, hey, we appreciate you uh, staying up late and uh, and putting and burning the midnight oil, the Hanukkah lamp oil, if you will, here uh, for the special holiday edition of Star Trek Discovery. And also joining us, we have my brother Jeff, who does not watch the show or know what's going on. But hey, you know, he's got he's got a new hey. microphone, so he's looking to podcast. I have a new microphone, and I figure I might as well test it out on a show I haven't watched. No. <laughs> You know, if I knew I, I didn't have to watch the episode, I wouldn't have, or I wouldn't have been late. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, great, I'll be right on time for that podcast. Oh wait, I have to watch this episode. But you did watch the episode. We all did, except for Jeff. And we're here to talk about it. And uh, I got to tell you, this was a, a really fun episode. I really enjoyed that this episode a lot i think there were some great moments i think in particular i think tilly i think uh was great in this episode but there's a lot more to it than that so michael what did you think i i loved it i loved the whole thing and i although there was one thing i thought was interesting was they were michael burnham was like oh saru and his emotions he 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 you know he might do something brash i'm like really really michael Really? I asked the same. I said the same thing. I was watching it with Jane this morning, and uh, I said, "Wait, no, that's your move, Michael Burnham. You're the one who gets emotional and in his in his non-objective and can't kind of remember what you're supposed to do." And I think she's almost throwing shade at, at Saru here. You know, they have this sibling rivalry, um, and I think you know it's a little yeah. hyperbolic. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with it. It was just an interesting. For for the writing, I was like, it's an interesting choice to have her be the one who who becomes concerned, considering everything we know about her, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, on the other note, I think that Michael Burnham was uh, and Sonequa Martin Green in that role was particularly good tonight. Actually, uh, I'm not always a fan of her, but I thought she was really strong in this episode. Uh, let's go to Adam. Adam, how are you feeling about Sukal? This should be a two parter. It should be called a two parter um, to me. I think it is. Is it not part one, part two, like like the last two episodes? Um, it's not titled as such, no. Um, although we even said that Terra Firma part one and part two didn't truly feel like a true two parter. It kind of is, and it kind of isn't. Like the what we the last the two previous episodes before this. Um, but yeah, like this this le this ends on a cliffhanger. There's a lot. Uh, so uh, the headline at this hour. Every other yeah. episode this this season here, I've been like pretty, you know, feeling really good about the episode. Now, after the cliffhanger, thinking that, oh my god, what's going? This is actually concern now. What's going to happen? Yeah, I've. Uh, they feel like this is this is dire, man. Like really dire. This one. 
And Jeff, just to fill you in, because I know you're kind of probably not 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 sure what we're saying, but there. Okay, so what happened tonight was that the uh, crew of the Discovery, um, who's who's been reintegrated in the 32nd century back into Starfleet, they've been sent on this mission because they're kind of trying to figure out what caused the burn. The burn was this event 120 years prior to this new time period that they're in, where um, all the dilithium ignited, every ship with an active warp core exploded. It, uh, um, dilithium was already starting, like the supplies were already starting to deplete anyway before this event. And this just made it worse. And, uh, and, and it kind of uh, killed space travel for a long time and still has. So they're on a mission so to kind is, of find- Wait, wait, wait. So I just have one question. Is the Discovery the only ship in the 32nd century that gave ability to, to, to do space travel? No, but Dilithium, it's the only ship with a spore drive. Um, it's okay. a unique technology that no one else has because it was destroyed and classified and buried 900 years ago. So now in this timeline, it, it's an extremely valuable commodity. And it's also um, uh, what is kind of what this episode is tonight because this villain, the, the Emerald Chain, they're kind of the modern day Orion syndicate. They are an alliance of Orions and and Dorians um, who are pirates, effectively. They're they're not they're they're antagonistic to uh, the modern day Federation and Dave. Oh my God! I'm the f I didn't freeze. Wow. Yeah, it's it not was you him. this time. Do you know what? I got a booster. He gave me a booster for Christmas. So uh, I don't have a problem anymore. So it should be good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> now you have his yeah. booster. <laughs> well, I have a question for you guys. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So immediately when they come into the 32nd century, Dave was kind of alluding to like the spore drive is valuable. Mm -hmm. Are there like kind of like pirates in yeah. this century that are they, kind of they like make you enemies? Know, they well, okay. one very big enemy in a lady named uh, Osira, and she runs the Emerald Chain, which is essentially like like evil mafia syndicate and thing. And in this episode, she she finds them, she chases them down. Okay, yeah. so Michael Burnham does. You mean? Oh no, no, Osira chases down the. Discovery. Oh, Osira. She, find, she she finds them the the discovery and and their crew. Hmm. Okay, and they were hiding that. from. They were sorry to uh, interrupt you. I don't, just, I just quick question: Were they hiding from Osira? Like, were they like jumping I, around I mean, on the spore drive and stuff? Keep, well, they weren't really hiding, but they were keeping away from her. In, in yeah, they had run-ins with her before. Because gotcha. the Federation, though depleted, I mean, the, the ship is essentially protected by the Federation. I don't think Osira really wanted to go after the Federation itself to get the ship. But now the ship, in this episode, is on its own. So she she decided to go after them today. She was like, you know what? Today is the day. Today is the day. Hi, Dave. Welcome back. Yeah, I sorry, I, I, I'm not sure where I cut off there. I was, uh, you all froze in from my perspective. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, did That's you, did like you, me. Jeff, but, your, 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 uh, your booster? Is that what happened? Yeah, you need, you need a booster now. I got to get you a booster. I have a booster. It's, we uh, thought maybe you gave yours to Jeff. <laughs> I gave mine to Jeff. Yeah. That's yeah. He regifted it. Well. Uh, where were, where were we? Where, where was the conversation going? We were just talking about Osira and like why she was going. Today was the day she was going after the, the discovery. 
the discovery seems to be like kind of like this unicorn in a different time that is very valuable that's what i'm getting the gist of right mm -hmm. yes these uh pirates want it they want the spore drive why wouldn't they it's like a very experiment it, you can it takes you anywhere you want hi jane the universe jane saying this is her favorite episode of the season so good and i think you know i i agree and i think what made this episode so good um was it this mystery in the um the world that they go into this nebula and we meet the title character of this episode sukal this 120 year old kelpian who's been sort of on his own since before the burn uh living basically in a holodeck um uh you know all this time uh with no other people no other real people just holodeck characters that have tried to keep it's uh this person's sanity uh and so that the the away team is michael burnham dr culber and saru himself they all go because he's all saru's a kelpian and this is a kelpian who they're investigating and trying to find and rescue and so uh and and but when they, once they get there they all turn into different species in saru's case he turns into a human so uh for doug jones he just does, didn't didn't, didn't do makeup one. that day here i got yeah. a, i got a picture of them here uh where they got so here here you can see them um uh you know so and you know uh, let's a burn tiny bit of money there since michael burnham is a, and everything else she's a she's a trill uh yeah. in this what's, uh, what's homeboy behind uh michael burnham what's his colbert yeah. is like a bajoran 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 and he's normally a what human human well, that's well, that's a downgrade. Um. <laughs> and and Doug Dude, Jones is a human, ring. or I mean Saru as a human. Uh, I don't know. I think he looks more normal as a, as an alien. Sometimes I think there's a reason <laughs> yeah. <he plays laughs> yeah. these guys. But uh, that's just, I'm not, kidding aside. Uh, that whole world, everything about that, it was so cinematic. It was so like incredibly imaginative. Um, and and some stuff with holodecks that I don't think we've seen in Star Trek yet. No, really. it reminded like, me a lot of uh, the Scarecrows, uh, I guess, level in Batman, the first Batman Arkham Asylum game. I don't know if you guys have ever played that. There's like a huge boss battle with, with Scarecrow, and mm -hmm. you know, because because yep. Batman's all drugged up, and uh, yeah, like this is what it felt like. It was like a combination of that and something out of like a Lovecraft novel. Because like that that Kelpian monster was kind of like a Cthulhu esque Lovecraftian yes. beast, and so it's like it, it works because the kid you know is going going a little crazy, right? It's the whole thing, Wait, yeah. Sukal himself, yeah. It was it was an interesting like that whole the Hollow World and everything else, and they have this mission and it's time sensitive because they have to get out in four hours or the radiation is going to kill them, and mm -hmm. but yet they have to sort of navigate this world. And on the other side, you have Tilly, who has recently become the first officer. She's the number one. Yeah. She's going, she's put in this position where she's in command. And they kind of know, they kind of talk about earlier before the away team goes off that um, uh, Osira, the Emerald Chain, that they want discovery, that they've actually attacked um, Saru's homeworld, the homeworld of the Kelpians, uh, Kaminar, to, 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 you know, almost to goat discovery into a fight. Um, and, and we see here that this is also kind of a, a ploy, even like 
that Osira has has uh, put on here. But Tilly's going to have to figure this all out, and she's still an ensign, right? She's still fresh, kind of fresh out of the academy. We've got a couple of years under her belt, but there are other officers around her that are more experienced, outrank her. Um, but they believe in her. Everyone believes in her, and I think as I believe in her too. Like I, I, I think that Tilly handled this as well as she could have, given the circumstances of the how they wrote it. Right tonight, mm -hmm. um, I thought you know there was um, her her showdowns, her sparring with Osira. Like Osira was great there. He was trying to goad her, intimidate the crap out of her, and you could see it. And she just gave it right back, and that, that was great to see. Again, yeah. you know. I had my doubts about Ca Captain Tilly or First Officer Tilly, but I do like I like this side of her that can stand up to the bad guys. Uh, and, wait, 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 wait. Who's the captain? Well, Tilly. So, well, Saru's the captain now. He's off the ship. He's off the ship right But now. he was on the away. He was on the away team. He was on the mission. So. So you're telling me Tilly is running the ship? She's first officer, so she's, she's running. Yeah. She, yeah, she's left in command. Is um, she capable? Well, this is the first time she's ever been tested, right? Like she just became okay. the first officer. So and, far, she seems to be. And, and and this is the first time, like, yeah, the captain's away, and and she has to well, run it by herself. She also the ship guys here right now. Like, no, no offense, but she did lose the ship. Yeah, it doesn't go her way here. Um, and, and you know, why this episode, so I mean, Jane's right. It's it's a, it doesn't go like the other episodes this season. We didn't have a like a. I didn't feel good at the end. Usually I feel like really hate positive and this is a great show, but man, I, I, you know, this was a tough ending today and now I'm, let's get to next week. I'm glad, I'm glad I watched it today. Only about five days ago. True. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, just like at the end of best of both worlds, part one, where like Lacutus the boar comes onto screen, you're like, uh Oh, and this is kind of what this felt like tonight, you know, cause yeah. they, uh, what happens at the end of this uh, is they just they they steal the discovery, right? Like, and and it's even more dire because Saru and Culber they stay behind to talk to Sukal. And the other big headline is Sukal, this this Kelpian, is the cause of the burn. He is a genetically modified Kelpian that is somehow he had, because his his DNA had to adapt to survive all this radiation. He his anger caused the burn reactions to that like or strong I, I reaction I, I don't know like at least in the past which reaction but it seems because today wasn't really anger right when we saw it, it was fear no it was fear yeah it was basically if if his emotions if his get uh, get high enough if his threat ganglia get uh get get going enough maybe uh he can cause a galactic um uh, event of cataclysmic destru destruction, apparently. I was thinking about the future use of him if he survives the next two episodes. I'm like, so wait, if he's linked to dilithium, and, and that's a planet of dilithium, so assuming they're able to bring some back, can he use his emotions to propel ships? Perhaps. Um Adam, what, what, how did you feel about this whole like we, we th this whole season's been about the mystery of the burn? Yeah, right? this is the only thing that's kind of bothered me is like that's it, really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of share the the feeling because I'm like, okay, so what happened? This this one individual somehow became became so powerful that he because again the burn was it's no small thing. It's like it's a pretty big thing. Um, it so all. What, 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 you know, I have a question. Sorry to interrupt you, but what is like the burn was like this event, or was it more like a slow burn? 
no, no it was a fast burn. Event. It was an event, and so something blew up, and then like was it like an electromagnetic pulse that went throughout through all space, and or something like that, or was something more... like that? Basically, in, yeah. in an instant, in like a fraction of a second, all dilithium in the galaxy. I'm not clear if it's the galaxy or the entire universe, um, but I, you know, it's it's all of it exploded at once, and all, every ship with an active warp core. Right, um, decimate, it's actually decimated the Federation. And, and but like every, but just just the Federation, or also like, no, like no, on Empire, everybody. Like all, Federation everybody. was pretty big. Everybody so was the, a war. Yeah, and was the everyone. Federation kind of controlling things in the Alpha Quadrant by that time? Were they kind of like the big dog? From what we can, what we gathered is that the Fed, by the time of like the burn, the Federation had kind of absorbed everybody. Like everybody had, like even the Romulans had joined the Federation by this point, right? And the Cardassians and everybody. Uh, but then when the burn happened, it kind of it kind of set the galaxy back to like kind of the old West, right? Back, you know, to uh, sort of uh, really um, pre almost pre warp conditions in a lot of cases where you're kind of limited to your sector. Or a, a series of, you know, maybe the just a couple nearby sectors because uh, dilithium is such a finite resource now. And I think that that's what the writing team has been, why they've introduced this burn, why they've been talking about dilithium, because dilithium is a finite resource. It was always positioned as such. And I think that the spore drive is an example of renewable energy. And it's supposed to maybe, maybe as an allegory to common, like modern day environmental climate change concerns, whatever. Um, and Jeff, the other part of that too is because it's such a um, valuable commodity, you've got your your mafia, Osira, the green emerald chain, um, who is that's their primary focus is to gather as much dilithium as possible, refine it, and get it out there for huge dollars, and, and they control it. Right. Because it's a you know it's a it's it's a supply and demand. Uh, your your scarcity drives up the market. And spore drives are a whole new are a whole game changer. Well, but why Burnham can't every went, ship? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. And when Michael Burnham came to the future, she kind of made it her mission to try to to solve it. And this season, we watched the mystery slowly get solved, and they narrowed it down to to basically where they went this episode. There's there's a there's a ship there with one survivor, and on crashed onto a dilithium planet. Right, Di like in this nebula that's full of radiation. Yes, and yeah, and and I think the fact that I I liked Sukal, I liked I liked everything that was going on in the ship, but I just to kind of, I I'm kind of sharing this thing like really he's the cause of the burn. How the hell does that work? You know, so he made he made dilithium explode on the other side of the galaxy because he got upset. Like that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, but it's, whatever. It's, it sounds like to me, like the writers wanted to just like have this burn and make it kind of mysterious and cool. And then once you got the answer, kind of like in Lost or when everything, anything's mysterious. Once they give you the answer, it's never going to be what you wanted it to be. Yeah, lack of payoff. Well, this is yeah. I was completely worried about this sort of episode that would take us down a little bit, and I think we've hit it finally. That's okay. We got to. It's we got okay. To because I feel like there's an. It's enough of a bounce. Like if that's my lowest point tonight, yeah. like in this episode, then that's fine. Um, because yeah, right. I mean, we've had a lot of ups in this this show, and this is just sort of a. We'll see where it goes next week, but yeah, uh, for me, uh, that it didn't bother me. What will bother me is if they finally explain it, and there's nothing more. 
So for, this is one. It's the cliffhanger is more than just what happened at the end of the episode, right? For me, there's like a double cliffhanger of trying to fully explain the burn in, in my mind because they never did, and and then what happened at the end. Well, it seems like the burn. If this is if this is the answer that we will stick, then the the burn is basically a freak accident, like is what it boils down to, right? right? Well, at least no one's responsible. Not really. Not you know. No, I'm just it, saying it's the most humane <laughs> way <laughs> of solving this, so that no one can blame anybody, and we can go back to to peace ish. True. Although we come up with, with a super powered adult baby. Uh, yeah, over a century old, um, yes. but yeah, like I feel like this this episode continue like uh, it has a lot of strengths. It it stands alone as kind of its own episode, like all of these episodes have. Uh, you know, although they're part of this bigger story of season three, uh, I think that uh, the 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 character development and this crew as a family continues to build. Like we talked about Tilly, there was also um, some good moments tonight with like um, Culber and Stamets saying goodbye to each and, other. And Adira, that whole thing. Adira really and, and Gray. That was yeah, great. Which, yeah. which started off the episode. Adira, Gray returns uh, to, and Adira, they aren't too happy about it. Um, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, um, Georgiou is still, the mirror Georgiou is still on their ship, right? No, she just Dude, left. She left. is gone. She left. Where'd she go? She had to go back in time because she what? she she traveled universes and timelines. So right. she was dying of like this weird disease. So um, she had to kind of go back in time to sort of uh, yeah. The the guardian of forever was last episode, and she basically went through it. To oh, yeah. fix the Guardian of Forever showed up, Jeff, but it, it's it's Paul Gilfoyle from CSI. Uh, so okay, my okay, I just uh, all right. Did they never think? All right, the Discovery crew, regardless of George, who apparently had an illness and had to go back in time, did they never think, hey, let's go to the mirror universe and go get the dilithium from there? They couldn't because the mirror they wrote it in that the mirror universe has been diverging from the prime universe for about 500 years. So there ha and there hasn't been a crossover in that time. Like the the universes uh, by the thirty second century. Yeah. It, so that's why Georgie was having problems because she jumped the universe, then jumped time, and so her molecules, her her quantum signature was all messed up because she's in the wrong time, and the her her universe is really far away now. So she's just not existing properly in in, in I guess the prime universe. So unless she goes back in time, she's going to basically fall apart. She kept phasing in and out. Yeah, Did they follow her after she goes through the portal, or is that just the end of her and see? Like that's the end of her in this show. This yeah. the, there, there's 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 rumors about uh, where she's going to end up next. Gotcha. Yeah, because they were always going to do this Section Thirty One show with Michelle Yeoh and Section Thirty One, and I think when they somewhere in season two, they're like, you know, we need to like reboot this Discovery show. It's not working right now, um, and hence we got this new this whole new timeline. And they brought her along for it, but we were talking about it early in this season, like as Michelle Yeoh and her character, the Mirror Georgiou, continued episode episode. Where we're like, Wait, where does she fit in here? How does she? How is she going to integrate in this crew? And ultimately, she didn't. They got they, they wrote her out of the show, and there's talk that that show will still happen, a Section Thirty One show. And 
I personally do not need that show uh, with with this mirror Georgiou. But if it happens, it happens. It's just more Star Trek, and how can I really complain? But um, well, it all depends how they do it. Section thirty one could be really interesting, especially if they do the origins of it or something. I I, I would love to see personally. I would. I mean, I don't need it, but if it happens, I definitely want to watch it. Like I'm right. I'm excited about it. Take take it from a guy that just watched Wonder Woman 1984. That wasn't <laughs> something we needed, and it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, but <laughs> well, it just yeah. it was blah. It was movie. What's that? It's my movie for tomorrow. Well, enjoy. Um, <laughs> like the first one, you're not you're gonna look. It's the same movie. I mean, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, okay. Where, where, where was I on that? Uh, <laughs> what Woman 84. Back okay. to the episode. Back to the episode. Uh, yeah, back we do Sukal. Sec- and just on the Section 31 thing, I like Section 31 as a concept. It's one of the better, interesting things to come out of Deep Space Nine. It's interesting to me that the writer, the new modern writers, um, like especially Kurtzman, keep gravitating onto it oh yeah yeah there's this dark side of the federation it's called section 31 they're the clandestine group that does everything that they go against everything the federation stands for in the name of the federation and they and they love it and they with the way they used it in season two of this show i think was a disservice to the concept because they made it way too mainstream um uh, Pike knows what it is. Like when Buddy, what's his name? The guy, who, you know who I mean. The guy who was the Section Thirty One, Leland, right? In section in season two, he shows up, and you're like, who is this guy? And like he's and and he's kind of a benevolent character until he gets assimilated by Control. But it's it's just not the right use of the character. They also used it into Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, I know Adam, you like that movie, so it's 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 but. The way that they've used this as a concept, I think, needs refinement. That's all. It's the CIA of Star Trek, but secret. You know, like that's what it is. More clandestine, so they can do impossible action, man. Yeah, yeah, you can do like a Jason Bourne or a Mission Impossible style Star Trek with. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I think it made sense. Oh, a mirror, a mirror universe character. How easy to slot them into section 31. Um, I guess, you know, if it's if it's done right, if the writing's good, like, and I think that the writing this season has taken a dramatic uptick. Like, I think we see it each episode, not just in the way it looks, but in the way it's written, the way that the dialogue's going. The there's not a, a lot of these kind of like moments that take us out of the episode as much as I found in previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Um but we were kind of t- and, and how that this crew keeps building, right? So we talked about Gray was back, Gray Tall, uh, the, the previous host of the Tall Symbiote, who seems to be a ghost in the mind of Adira. Um, and they kind of ha- they talk it out, um, and Adira forgives Gray for like, because Gray's like, well, I'm I don't I, I I can't interact with the world, so that's why I did what I did. It's you, not me. It's you. Yeah, it was me, not you. Sorry. And Adira's like, okay, like whatever. Um, Michael, are you? Do you like the gray persona? Uh, is is this is this storyline? Is this? Um, do you feel like this is is servicing the Adira character, or is? Um, I think having gray is an interesting way to explore the inner conflict that this young person is going through. 
uh, I almost feel like it's a, a, a metaphor. Is that the right word to use here? A metaphor for the confusion uh, that a lot of people in our world, not, not in Star Trek, are, are, are going through in trying to sort out their own identity. Because uh, if we are to understand the actor, uh, Adira's actor, you know, sorted themselves out and came out, right? During the right. show and 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 gave their pronouns so in in a way having gray here to kind of talk for her i'm sorry for them to talk to and talk out there and sort out themselves the adira character not the actor uh it is interesting and it may be a a good thing to have on a mainstream show for people who are kind of in 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 those that kind of situation in their real lives to see that this is a an accepted thing if that yeah. makes sense it does it does so i think that there's like this real life allegory to uh allegory, trans yeah. and non-binary and all these other things and then like it's interesting because jeff and i are doing the d space nine rewatch series right now and in season two of d space nine we're dealing with a lot of like jedzir dax's backstory the trill mm -hmm. and what the trill represent and, the, and they're continuing to add to the mythology of the trill in discovery and they're yes. two different, very different things. And uh, like what they, what they, I think what the trill was as a concept in the 1990s to what they, how it's being applied in this show, yeah, is is an evolution. I think, uh, not, not, yeah. not, 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 not maybe an improvement. I think maybe. I wanted to add that the whole Adira and Stamets thing, I thought, took a very good step forward today when Stamets was like, you know we're we Hugh and I come together we're a unit because they're establishing them I feel as a family right you have the two parents the parental figures in in Stamets and Kolber right and then you have essentially their child Adira who's going through something uh you know it's self-discovery at which point the parent is saying I accept you because that's when Stamets looked at you know he doesn't see gray but he's like hello you know talk to gray and acknowledged the existence and is okay with it and then walked away to let adira but, but talk also to I, it's a very yeah, parental thing very parent parental and the whole comment you know if, if i could see you i would you know give you a piece of my mind whatever you said it was something <laughs> you know comical but dad like yeah, yeah exactly i felt this was it was a good moment and very good moment for me to see it was also adam just your, your microphone's a little hollow i don't know if you Sorry. I step forward better better yeah you're just it's it's a little bit uh what i was saying there was um it was very very parental and very dad like and but it was also important because that scene was also on the tail end of uh giorgio's uh wake you know where the whole crew was mm -hmm. coming together so you know if you remember she was w welcomed in you know this is for you this is you you're part of this it's not just the family it's the crew yes and uh you know pretty cool how they how they brought her in and you know and she's not annoying and she's not a wesley crusher she's she's very much um i uh, think a valuable crew member at this point want to know more about her yeah i think adira i think adira is one of the better additions to this cast this season i think also i want to talk about book and book's role in this episode uh as the other new special new cast member here uh but yeah like i just to before we move on from adira i think adira like we we talked about is this adira and stamets like mentor and student is it more 
father child and how does Culber play into it? I think I think we've kind of answered the question tonight or in this episode mm-hmm. that they they are kind of like a a new family, a modern family, if you will. Um, you know, they're also the oh, oh. and, and you, you, throw, you throw in Jet Reno and the, you have the LGBTQ sort of community on Discovery as well, um, sort of as being represented, which is you know. Um, I think really fun. I think that there's a lot of dynamics to this crew, which I think they they should continue to add on because the more we Agreed. care about this crew, the more we're going to care about what happens to them, you know? Um, and, and like tonight, like what's going to happen next? We're all kind of on the edge of our, our seat. Um, I also just want to talk about this whole thing with book because so when they get to the crash site and they can't fly through this, crazy radiation and all this stuff but uh but book has his smaller ship which doesn't have a name still right it's just book's ship yeah it's the coolest ship ever it's the coolest more it morphs into weird shapes and ship i love it uh, uh and and yeah it just can move around and turn into different things and he was starting to bleed and whatever he why did he take the cat though because Okay, when he gets through that little mission where he has to fly through the radiation cloud, him and his cat have to get a radiation poisoning treatment. And I thought he could have left that cat on the ship. I, I don't think he had enough time to make that decision. Grudge was yeah, already on the ship. You can't make a cat do anything. So you can't make it. This is the big cat grudge, uh, Jeff, that continues to be part of season three of Discovery. It is. I a- had a question because I was looking at the stills for this episode. I'm like, what is up with the cat? So what the is cat up with cat. What is, whose cat is this? Why is this cat important? This is Book's cat. Who? Book. Uh, okay. Uh, Michael Burnham's boyfriend. Yeah, this is this guy here on the right. This is Book, and okay. he's been a new character on the show. So he's kind of like a civilian. He's um he's he's uh Michael Burnham's love interest. He's from this century, and he has his own little smaller ship that fits in the shuttle bay of the Discovery. And he kind of serves as sort of like this advanced scout slash specialist character to the crew who can kind of do different things. Um, and he's kind of a unique, he's, he's an interesting character to have on the show. I think he brings a, a different uh, vibe to this crew. Uh, and the way that they, the way that they're using him, I think is, is good, but he also has this big friggin' cat that he, uh, that, uh, they, that they take with him, And it's apparently from uh, the Niagara region. I believe there's two cats playing this role. Aww. But we, we also toyed with the idea that he, does he want to be part of the crew? Yeah. You know, and I, I think more and more, I mean, he, I don't know if he exactly wants to be part of the crew, but he certainly needs to help out. <laughs> Jump he in cares. Right he definitely he looks cares. Like, I mean, he put his life on the line tonight. He certainly looks like Blade. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's, rocking the, he's rocking the leather jacket. He's got, he, he's got the crop top haircut. I mean, give him fangs and you got your I, new Blade. He plucked him right out of a... Uh... Uh, Supergirl, I think it was the last time we saw this actor. I think he was literally wearing the same thing. So, really? yeah. yeah, he's a British actor, I believe, right? Uh, he is, yes. Yeah, no, he's really good. Uh, I think, yeah, he believes in the Federation. Like, kind of, Michael Burnham has made him a believer in sort of like what the ideals of the Federation Starfleet are about. And so he's, he's becoming a believer. And, and so uh, he's either going to become a full member of Starfleet or he's going to be sort of a, uh, 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 an ally to the crew or a supplementary um, one, you know, he's replaced um, what's his name from season one. Uh, 
the you know the Vok. What's his name? Tyler. 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 Oh, what a memory of Tyler. Who I think is a great actor, but just that storyline had to die. So um, you know, so that now we have Book in the show, and I think Book's a much better character for this show uh, in comparison. Okay, so we talked about his whole thing and uh, coming in, and then just that we we saw after um, Admiral Vance kind of calls to talk about, hey, you found a planet full of dilithium? That's fun. The Federation is going to you know really be happy about that. But was it just a fake, or was there really a planet of dilithium? That was the part I was unclear about. Was this a trick by Osira, or was there was the planet of dilithium real? I think the planet's real. I think the, the planet is real. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I I think you're right about that. I just wasn't quite sure if it was part because you know when Osiris shows up, they think it's a Federation ship, but it's not, um, and that it's a, it's a little too perfect that there's a planet Delithium here, but it is where. Um, I feel like the explanation he gave for how Osira found them seems not like the speculation on how she found them seemed a little weak. I'm wondering if there's more to that. Something well, we don't know yet. Yeah, and they're like, well, how would she even get here? And they because it's way out there. Again, dilithium's hard to come by, and without a spore drive, it takes long times to get places. And they say, well, there's a trans warp hub here, like conveniently that the Borg left a long time ago, and it's so she might have used that if she was crazy. Apparently, she was crazy enough to try it. Uh, so that's that's mm. she. What I mean is, we might find out there's something going on. I I don't know a mole or. Just something. I feel like remember the other episode they uh book brought on uh 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 emerald chain technology, right? Remember that? And they were yep. saying, you know, this stuff could be dangerous. We, we and he's like, No, no, trust me, it's okay. I'm what I'm I'm actually kind of wondering if that's how she found them. That she's been tracking the uh, emerald chain technology that book brought on and thought was safe when in reality it wasn't. There was also that character, uh, the Andorian. Uh, do you remember oh, him? Yeah, from, I right. can't remember his yeah. name right now, but he Raiders. was. Yeah. Is he still on the he, ship? I forgot. Still, yeah, I think he was dumped off on the uh, Federation. Uh, whatever. Unless yeah, he I think they brought him something. back to headquarters. I don't think he's still okay. on the ship, although we 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 don't see Jet Reno for many weeks, and then we find out she's still on the ship. So, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's possible he's there. And I just think there's more to how how Sarah found them than what we're getting, and and I, I feel like we'll find out next episode. I think you you could quite be right about that because it was just a little bit like how did they get they got such an amazing drop on, on oh, the yeah. crew at the worst possible time and like everything just kind of uh, fell into place there. But yeah. uh, as we as we were moving through this episode, yeah, we talked about Grudge and Sick Bay and Doctor Tracy Pollard, who is the other doctor um on this show who uh sometimes i'm like do we need two doctors on this show can when we is colber not uh, got enough to do um well they we need could, a backup doctor just I guess in case we need one a backup doctor who's who's I mean, who's mccoy's backup doctor we, we don't even know we don't, we don't even know, know. there probably Ratchet. was one nurse nurse Ratchet. he got McCoy, in the um in the in the kelvin universe mccoy was promoted because the doctor was killed the, the head doctor that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, I guess yeah, Crusher had Doctor Salar. So I guess there's, there's that's right. Else. And uh, well, yeah, the, the Voyager crew just literally had no doctor. Tom Paris yeah, was the backup did. doctor. Yeah, Tom Paris, <laughs> who never wanted to be there. 
Right. Well, with Cat, he was also the backup doctor. Kind of, and Bashir never had a backup. That's true. He, Bashir he, really should have. I mean, he's true. on a station. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that's a station, not a ship, though. There's always ships there, so he's always got a backup doctor. Yeah. Yeah, out. A lot of doctors. It's always doctors board. coming in, coming out. Yeah. Doctors, doctor, doctor. Do you concur? I just remember when Jedzia died, and they're wearing all the red. You know. Mm-hmm. The, the red like scrubs, the, the red scrubs. I always want, like was like that's so Star Trek. <laughs> Why would they wear red? <laughs> In the mirror universe. Um, just before, so they kind of we talked about everything else. Uh, we talked about there was the scene with Adira and there was Culber saying goodbye to Stamets because it, we get a, quite a few of these scenes where Culber has to, it's either Culber or Stamets has to go on dangerous mission. And then we get obligatory scene with Culber and Stamets, like saying goodbye to each other. Um, I, you know, we, I get it, but we we do it a lot on this show. It's 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 fine. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, they would say goodbye. Maybe, maybe, maybe Dave, there just wasn't enough of it on uh, on Next Gen, you know, because they were all families and everything. Yeah, but we didn't have like we got it. I, not every time like um, Ben Cisco had to go on a dangerous mission did he have to have a heart to heart with Jake. Um, yeah, and so morning, he just left left their cabin and he just go you know I might never see you again, and you just never saw that scene. That's true. You know, it's all good. You know, uh, if it but it's it's uh, it's it's they they never miss a chance. Oh, um, I forgot to bring my eggnog. I was gonna make a joke about drinking nog. You just reminded me, Nog. Uh, but Nog, but never mind. But that would be funny, Michael. I would have liked that, Captain oh, Nog. Yeah, Captain, Captain Nog. Nog. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about that whole scene that was between Burnham and Tilly, when Tilly's like, "Oh man, I gotta be in command while Saru's away, while you and Saru go on this mission." Um, and Michael tells a story. She's like, "When I was first put in command by uh, Georgiou, the original Prime Georgiou on the Shenzhou, um, I used to, uh, I used to always flicker my finger on this little imperfection that was on the captain's chair that, that Georgiou would. It was uh, some kind of uh, defect from from the, the Utopia Phoenicia fleet yards or whatever. And and Saru does the same thing. And we see that Tilly is doing the same thing in this episode. It's kind of like a nervous tick. Um, but I thought that this was a really good scene. I thought, you know, like these two friends, this mentor relationship that's existed, we, this growth that we're seeing out of Tilly. Um, I liked everything about it. Did, did you guys feel the same? Oh, yeah. No, I, I liked it very much. I uh, thought it was interesting. Uh, device that they put in in the 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 manufacturing defect in San Francisco with the nub underneath the arm of the chair. Uh, uh, it was just it was it was it was a good moment for me. A metal burr, a little metal burr. A metal, a metal, a nub. Adam, I, I think it, it it really shows again. I mean, since the beginning, they've really focused on Tilly and developing her character into a leader. And you know, I said earlier today, she she's done a good job. Just, so far, um, I I was a little. I think I made that made the comment about four four episodes ago where she was just sort of the, the comic relief, but she's beyond that now, and, and it's uh, I quite like her. I, I quite like the character. I quite like the um, leadership she's got, and I you know, and I was watching the preview before the show, and you know, you're acting first officer. I, I bet you she's not after this. You know, uh, this yeah. episode. Or this episode. 
Yeah, no, like she's like who else would there be? Now there was some hint. Uh, we didn't talk about this in our last podcast, but right before Mirror Georgiou walked off into the Garden of Forever and into the sunset, um, she said, "Hey, you're a captain too, Michael. You're you're you know you should be the captain." And we kind of thought that Michael Burnham. Before Saru ended up becoming the captain, that Michael Burnham maybe would be the captain. Um, is that something that we will see down the road? Is she is the lead of this show, um, and so I'm trying to kind of you know not that that has to be the captain character, but I keep coming back to it. Are we even the first episode set that up right with with Prime Georgiou saying same like you're ready to be a captain of your own, Michael? Um, and I don't and, think we'll see Michael Burnham as a captain unless Saru is dead or has to, or gets his own ship, a different ship. Otherwise there's no, I just don't, it, you know, any other reason for him to leave, I feel is almost a disservice to the character. So it's dead or other ship for me. So that's the only way Michael Burnham is the captain of discovery, unless she gets her own ship. Uh, Adam is Dave frozen for you. Davis Rose. Okay. But we can yeah. continue. So that's just how I feel. I feel like it wouldn't be right to have Saru leave for uh, like, you know, other reasons. I just feel like it's either give him his own ship or or he's dead, but I don't want him to die. So give him his own so, ship. But wait. I, so, but like this show is kind of confusing in in a way because like the main character is this character that it'd be like if Riker was the main character of TNG. We kind of at a certain point kind of go like, oh, really? You know? But at the same time, like, it's different with this dynamic. But like, Saru, like, he seems, to, he's kind of like the boring by the book Spock. It'd be like if Spock was the captain, the main character. Would the show work? You know, would it work? You it know? Has, and, it's been working this season with him as captain. Yeah. He's great. He's, he's come a long way, man. Right. But he, what I'm trying to say is, okay, like, what Star Trek has always done is with you know the original series the next generation deep space nine uh voyager even enterprise the main character is always the captain saru's not the main character of the show right you guys all no. agree that yeah the, Michael, the way they've written it works leonard nimoy of this show he, you know he um right but then equal martin green is the william shatner of the show but not the captain but but even then right. we have multiple multiple strong characters in, in this show versus other ones. I think they've done a pretty good job in, in really distributing that um, I, I, the star power almost across the board because I mean, you know, so um, Michael Burnham is the star, the star character, but she's not always the star character. I mean, Michelle Yeoh was very strong, you know, all of these, all of these Star Trek casts are ultimately ensemble. Right, but sure. each of those ensembles, there's sort of like uh, an alpha, a leader, you know, and uh, it's it's traditionally always been the captain character. They've kind of they they've flipped convention here for this show, uh, and made it uh, and and lower decks is the is another challenge to that where the the captain is not the main character but a, a prominent character still uh, in the show, and um, it's kind of like how will this experiment play out? How it's ultimately going to come down to how this show ends. I think will we see um, like is the end of the show Michael Burnham finally becoming a captain? Maybe like maybe that's what this whole journey of the show is You're sort right. of, of their of their maturity. Um, that's seeming more and more likely. Could, 
officer, like, you know, how's he going to play into it, too? We've got him still to deal with. Yeah. Who's that? Book. Book. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Like, is Book... I think Book's like an experiment in himself as a character. Is he going to endure past season season three? I think the answer is yes. I think that they definitely will keep this character around. But I don't think they, they knew when they started this season or when they wrote the, most of these episodes... Ultimately, does this guy stick around with us? Will he join Starfleet? It's, I think it's ultimately going to come down to how how the audience reacts. They're going to listen to uh, to how we what we think, and I think that you know we like him, which I think at least this panel does. Um, we'll see a lot more of him. We're, okay, so just I want to keep moving through the episode because we're coming up to about forty eight minutes on the podcast. Duh, 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 duh. So we talked about the this is when they go into the holodeck. We talked about how. Saru with uh with you know uh, Doug Jones gets to be out of makeup for this episode. We had this whole um little red riding hood fantasy world um stuff going on here tonight. Sneakwin Martin Green as a trill, Doug Jones in the human role, um and and uh Hugh Culber the doctor as a Bajoran. Uh and this was done by the computer of the holodeck because it's kind of malfunctioning the radiation's been damaging it and they it, the program wanted to make them look like federation members even though they are already uh so that they'll be more friendly to Sukal who's the the, the person they're trying to rescue from this thing. Um but okay so we talked about a lot of fun like there was kind of a crazy world i think in particular i think sinequa martin green was great in these scenes where she was talking to him trying oh, yeah. to pretend to be the, hol the hologram that was great you know because i like, i'm up and down on her sometimes sometimes i think sinequa martin green overacts but it's uh she was great in this when she was like trying to pretend to be the hologram she's like resetting parameters and he thought because he's afraid of real people, he's never met real people, so she was—he was much more comfortable talking to a hologram, what he thought was a hologram, and something new than anything else. Um, she was good. She was very good in this episode. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, uh, in the last episode too, you know, outside the outside the portal, outside the Guardian Forever, those that, that dialogue was great. She was great as her her, her um, mirror universe person. I thought she was, she turned it on the last couple episodes. Yeah. There was that whole monster, that weird like yep. thing living in the closet that they were afraid of. There was um, the, the old uh, mentor Kilpian guy singing lullabies, uh, you know, and and it's it's very emotional for Saru, right? Because this character we've come to know for three seasons, uh, you know, and, and he was the first Kelpian in Starfleet. He kind of left his people a hundred years ago because they were not in the federation now he's he's a thousand years ahead and all the kelpians are a federation members and and he still hasn't really reconnected with his people right so he's this is kind of a mo like big for him like finding another kelpian searching this guy down uh, seeing all this stuff in his culture we see the in this episode this re this replay of uh when when Kaminar, his homeworld joined the federation uh but they're all kind of glitchy and weird and um uh, the radiation's d damaging them was that volk okay by the question the, the whole scene where they find um when they join the federation that vulcan admiral hologram that talks to them a little bit have we seen him before i feel like he was in like the first season like there was another vulcan admiral remember. no okay the clapping was quite funny, though. 
Are you here to save the child? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so you know then on yep. the crew of the Enterprise, sorry, the Discovery just went, went rolled with everything. You know, oh, let's just talk to these guys and we'll, we'll make them clap for us and we'll make them believe us. We'll reset ourselves. And it, it was just cool how that just seemed to happen. I mean, Right. I, that could have been like a whole episode on itself. Like I yeah. was just kind of like this really fun, interesting world, the quietness, the hushness of that, that, that's that snow world compared to like how crazy it was on the outside with the Tilly storyline and in the ship and dealing with sort of trying to track things down and then trying to get everything ready. Plus Osira and the Emerald chain are showing up to, as pirates here to kind of like, you know, uh, take over their stuff. Um, I keep going back and forth. I'm, just, I'm, I'm I, 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 we've talked about some of these plot lines, so I'm kind of skipping over some of it. But uh, can we talk a little bit just about Sukal himself? Mm hmm. Yeah, you're still there. I think Dave's, Dave's, Dave's not here, man. So they got an interesting looking. I don't know what he looks like under the makeup, but his build is is not what I'm used to seeing for people. They choose to don the makeup for Kelpians. Like he's he's he seems to be built. I, I, he looks like he could be rather built. His neck is is larger. So uh, and his his physique is larger too which is interesting because you would expect uh someone who's stuck on on a ship for so long like would he would he be able to be this bulked up as a cow like because we don't know what a kelpian would look like with under his conditions anyway i guess well oh. remember on the home planet they're farmers right so I mean, yeah i don't know he just seemed a lot larger than a normal kelpian yeah. that we've seen on the yeah, in other other episodes that where we've seen Kelpians. Yeah, this guy who played him was named Bill Irwin, uh, who's a, a, a famous clown and comedian and actor um, who also played a character in the movie Popeye from 1980. Uh, he played Ham Gravy. Oh, I remember that. No, you yeah. do. No, okay. Anyway, but yeah, he was a bigger guy, but he's 120 years old, right? This as well. He's um, and so he's got the mind of a child, but he's also been sort of he's lived a whole life in this sort of environment. So you get like this <sighs> vulnerability, right? To the, yeah. to the character. You do. He still has the hand waving in the back, like Saru, which is was cool to see. Yeah. Like I feel like I don't know how how they ended up getting Bill Irwin. I feel like there's probably a story of how Bur Bill Irwin may have even been an influence on Doug Jones, and maybe Doug Jones got Bill Irwin into this show. I don't know for sure, but even yeah, he was doing the whole like the whole, wave. but like yeah, because he was so fast when he walked around. It was like flop 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 flop. It was it was cool <laughs> to see. Like it's it's like the same kind of movements, but you know, because he obviously his mental age and just you know his the situation he's lived in he's different right so i i was just i don't know it's some character acting that i really appreciated seeing personally 
No, I thought he was great. Great performance. I thought that memorable. I think that you 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 understand why uh, Hugh and uh, and um, uh, Saru want to stay behind. Even though I was like, well, aren't you going to die of radiation poisoning any minute now? Like, isn't uh, isn't? I thought that was the whole thing. Like, you had to kind of get in and get out quick. Well, and, starting to show too. You're getting. You're starting to see it now, right? Like, right. yeah, you start to see like little redness kind of start yeah. to pop up on them and on their on their skin and whatever. Um, and it, but he's a, like Sukal himself has somehow survived all adapted that. to it, yeah, adapted to it, right? Because his his DNA is adapted to it over time. But there, obviously, there's just not. Um, and then we get the whole. Then the Viridian shows up, which is the ship of of Osira. And they're staring each other down. We get the whole exchange between Osira and Tilly. We talked about this a little bit already. They're kind of, you know, where's your captain? Oh, you're gonna go, you know, you're going, you're 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 a pretender. You're a pretender, Tilly. I, you're not ready to face me down. And and uh, yeah, um, interesting. I thought like I was a good dynamic, Tilly. She should have gotten out. I think that the, the, the only her command decision is like I can't leave until I get my away team. At the same time, she knows her ship. She had to probably jump out sooner. Is kind of what this came down to. She had to jump out um, at the, as soon as she could. All right, as soon as she saw trouble coming. Yeah, that that that's the only I think from a command decision point of view, the only criticism because of ultimately the result here. Would, is, I'm just curious. Would any uh, would other uh, would Saru had made a similar decision if it was a different away team down there i think anybody would have i don't think i don't think you can say that that tilly's weak for this decision i think because that almost he was any just waiting would for, have been written to it but she was waiting for book's ship to go off before she went to black alert and maybe yes it was a second too late but a second a moment you know a moment hesitation or you know you're trying to win you're trying to you're, you're trying to do, get it all done you're trying to save the day you're trying to sit, get the people get your team out and and she kind of she slightly miscalculates it. Like I, I don't I, I don't think that it's because oh Tilly you didn't know or you're not experienced enough. I, I but I think that they will this will stay with the character and that well, of course develop it further. But we did spend an entire season talking about not leaving anybody behind. Yeah. So right. this her decision actually made sense with the theme of the or at least the goings on of the season. It it, it, it fit. Even if Saru, it wasn't, Saru right. or any of them probably would have made the exact same choice and would have and the same we've had the same result here, uh, but it, it it is what it is. Yeah. So so for uh, me, what was interesting was that uh, Osiris tech is so advanced, right? With right. everyone well, teleporting on board and everything. Yeah, yeah. So they get the jump on them pretty good here. Uh, why can't why? Because they retrofitted Discovery. So why why can she beam through their shields and why why were they so? And, and they have the mind control thing. Yeah, but, yeah. But, true, but also, Dave. I mean, they're, they're still trying to figure out what's what's happening. Didn't didn't one of them ask about the tech? Say, can't we do this or can't we cloak our? Yeah, was it cloak? Can we cloak the ship? It was yeah, like we cloaked the ship. And they said, yes, we can cloak, but we can't jump while we're cloaked. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're not even sure how this all works yet. <laughs> I, I just think. Yeah, it's a fair point. They're still asking questions. Yeah, they are new to the tech. 
Okay, and I understand like they wanted to keep the crew of the Discovery together, but shouldn't this crew be sort of supplemented with like 32nd century Starfleet officers, at least a couple? Uh, that's what I thought that security officer would have joined the, the ship. I you know, can't remember her name, but apparently not. She should have. <laughs> now we need be it. Because if like if somebody showed up today and said, "Hey, I'm from 900 years ago, and I want to, I want my sh ship to like just integrate into today's society," I'm like, I think maybe, I think you need to get reorientated with how things have been going. It's I'm from 900 crazy. years ago. I want to join the podcast. No, no, <laughs> no. You, we're gonna take your so. expertise. Don't don't tell me who wins the presidential elections or anything like that. But the whole thing they'd be trying to tell us about the show is that these people from 900 years ago, they know some, they know stuff that is saving the day. That it isn't it just a coincidence that that the burn is caused by a Kelpian, and this is like he's the first Kelpian in Starfleet in in Saru, and and they found the, it, and they found it, and it's it's a little bit too. That's okay. Like, it's, a it's a show. It's fine. It's fine. So well, I, I would I would argue that the reason why they found everything because they remember that the episode that they had to go to to Vulcan or whatever the planet is called now I forgot. Yeah. yeah, they had to go there just to convince people that hey, maybe it wasn't your fault. It, it's it's a it's a, a galaxy or a universe that has had tragedy and they've accepted a way of being. It took someone from a different time with a different perspective, an outside point of view, to come in and shake things up and go. Maybe you guys have it wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's fair. I, I also think that, like, in but it's also in contrast to like you know Star Trek Lower Decks, where you have the crew of the Cerritos, which is the least important ship in the least important crew or whatever. And in contrast to that, Discovery is the most important ship with the most important place in history all every season. Like, no ship, like, is more important than the Discovery now. Like, really, when you, like, consider their impact on the Star Trek timeline. Well, and like, Maybe Lower now. Decks was a response to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, these are kind of, like, extremes, right? And, like, and and the and if you go back to this, well, what's original? What's originally Star Trek? Okay, like, the crew of the Enterprise, pretty prolific. They were the flagship of the Enterprise. Next Gen built upon that, where these were the best of the best in all of Starfleet. So, but one ship among a whole fleet of ships that just like it. You know, um, whereas Discovery's kind of one of a kind with this technology no one else has, uh, this backstory that is unlike anybody else's. So I don't know. They were given this in the first two seasons, right? And we've had problems with it. And now they're just so why they threw them in the future. No, it's like, you know, screw this. It is. It is. No, let's it reboot because they already have this advanced tech. So <laughs> we, yeah, let's not use them in the past anymore. Screw that. No, let's do them in the future, and it's 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 for the for the for the for me it works much better. Um, okay, so I I just kind of want to talk about when they get the drop on them and they start beaming in. You know, Tilly said she was going to blow the ship up rather than let it fall into Osiris' hands. That doesn't work out here. She's not. She doesn't even call for the auto destruct. I don't think. Right? She tries to jump away, but it doesn't work. Tilly's like trying to call down to Culber or I'm sorry, down to Stamets. Stamets gets the slave crown put on him, right? So they 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 ended up so they're able to like take over his mind uh, down in engineering. Uh, just before that, we also had um, Jet Reno. She gave her com badge over to uh, Adira. So because now Adira couldn't 
Adira needed the com badge so they could beam onto Book's ship, right? But also beam down to the planet. But also beam down to the planet. Why doesn't Adira have their own com badge already? Why does why did she have or why did they have to borrow it from Jet Reno? Is she is she Starfleet? No, but she's a member of the crew. Book's a member of kind of not right. He should have a com badge too. Not so, but he, he so un, I think unless you're Starfleet, Starfleet, I don't think you get the special Starfleet badge. They gave seven or nine a com badge. They gave Cass a com badge. Uh, different I mean, situation. If Cass, I can, get, if Cass can, if, get one, if Cass can get one, anybody <laughs> can get one. <laughs> <laughs> she was two years Starfleet, old. Man. Difference. I mean, they actually have a Starfleet here. That's Voyager cool. was missing. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking, but okay, fine. So she had to. That's how she gets away, or they get away. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, and and Adira. It's all Adira joins Culber and Saru in the quest for Sukal, right? And yeah. and uh, Michael Burnham and Book. They are are racing back. They're trying to get to the ship to help Tilly, and they jump away right at the last second, and they're too late, and. Now what? What is going to happen now? Do you think it's insane that 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 the spore drive could actually also teleport two ships at once when they're linked? Yeah, it was kind of like to see like both ships like linked together, and the fact that uh, Osiris ship had all these tentacles coming out of it, kind of like a harvester. Uh, it was kind of a neat thing to see. Like it was kind of horrific, and her her ship was like a giant kraken. No, essentially, is what they're kinda. going for. Yeah, so really piratey here. <laughs> Very piratey. I like, I like it. Kind of like it. And what will happen to this crew? And sort of. It's and and to think that that Michelle Yeoh or Jojo might be back next week. It's. I don't think it's <laughs> happening. No. You know. Maybe that would know, be like some Deus Ex <laughs> stuff. Like, like, it, you know, or is Vance coming to the rescue with an armada of the Federation ships or something like? Or are they headed to the Federation headquarters? Yeah. Like, well, What's the most headed. likely scenario? How are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get the ship back? Some people are going to die. Is how how are we going to get out of this? How are Michael going? Michael and, and Saru, how are they going to join them? They've been left behind now. Okay, so let's here. Let's say Michael Burnham and Book, who uh, they're going to turn around. Maybe they're going to collect uh, Sukal and the rest of them, right? Back onto Book's ship. So then at least there'd be like five of them that can like, you know, try to work something out. They can presumably take the same trans warp hub back to the, the main Federation space and meet up with Vance and try to but, figure something out. But also if, if, if Sakal has the ability to manipulate dilithium and that's a dilithium planet, could they not fashion something to make books ship warp capable? They could, but even if it's warp capable, warp is still slower than trans slower warp. Than, not right. No, that's true. And they it would just take too long. I, I think they don't give us they don't give us enough specifics about the they relative geography the or the hub. the stellar cartography of things, if you will. Yeah, I'm just but, saying they could warp to the transwarp hub, so that speeds it up just a little. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They can write they can write whatever they want, really. Like they can write oh yeah, and then <laughs> I took a I took a tour. There you go. At, at Bejor, and now I'm here, and we're, we're, we're however they want to do it. Mike, I guess the main thing is will will they have control of the ship 
by the end of the next episode, or do you think it's going to take the, because we have two episodes left in season three here. Um, is, is, is it going to, how, how, how soon will they get the ship back even before the end of the season? I predict it's a three parter. Continuing oh. into season four, like a cliffhanger. For uh, I would say whatever, whatever they need to wrap up, they'll wrap up in the last episode this season, but there will be some kind of cliffhanger into season four. Very possible. I think very likely. Yeah. Um, every season has sort of ended on a cliffhanger of the Star Trek Discovery. Or some kind of new beginning for the show. Uh, what do you think, Adam? Will they will they get the ship back faster or a little slower? You think? It's a good I, I, listen, I really one thing I liked about this episode, this season is the speed of resolutions, and I, I hope it doesn't carry on until next year. I, I I hope they get this done. We've got this was season eleven, right? Or episode eleven? We've got two more uh, to to get this done. So yes, we could have a three parter. Yeah. And then I, Right. And, and, uh, this, and like we talked about each of these episodes, they're part of a bigger narrative, but they all stand on their own in a lot of ways. And I, we've yeah. liked that. And, uh, so I hope that continues, but this I'm yeah. Every week, something Question. new. Question for you three. Who do you, all right, you got two episodes left, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who will not be alive for season four? Good question. Of this, well, like, yeah, because now that they've lost Georgiou um, from the cast, that was kind of like a death because they said, well, she can never return. We can never see her again. So we, she's kind of effectively deceased. So that kind of happened in a way. But um, do you know the, the character who I think is probably the least, the most expendable on this show is Stamets. Uh, I think that his character. Uh, is is easily filled by a whole bunch of other characters. I like, wonder if 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 Admiral Lance is going to die in, in whatever battles coming. Admiral Van, I hope not. I like Vance. Admiral Vance. Right. I, I like and, him. Uh, but I'm just wondering. Adam, um, I don't think it's going to be Stamets because he already had that path. We already brought them back and almost dead, and uh, Hugh Hugh for sure is being dead. <laughs> Come back, mm-hmm. uh, Tilly. I, I hate to say it, but she could go. Oh, I hope not. My money's on uh, Booker. On Book? I don't think he's going to die. I think if if my prediction is right, or at least my... my Well, maybe not prediction. Sorry. I, one of my theories is right that his technology that he brought onto the ship is the cause of them being found, and he might be kicked off instead. But we'll still see him. Could it be Doug Jones? Could it be Saru? That is that is. I, I think look. I think whether it be Till Till Tilly's a fan favorite, probably won't be her. Saru is the first non-human captain. I, I think they're going to continue this path. They, 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 I don't think they're ready to give him up yet. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe it is. Samus, but I'd, I'd be disappointed there too. I don't like. I like him as well. I don't. Oh, really I like them all, but the only reason I say I say Saru is because Saru. They've had a different captain every season season one is Lorca season two is Pike season three has been Saru so is will we get it season four be unless Michael he doesn't die and, and Saru leaves to become a parent for first call not like I really want that to or happen before he leaves Starfleet yeah kind of like Commander Non did a little bit to stay well with more more like maybe not Starfleet but 
still part of Starfleet, but he has a new mission to, to leave the ship at least. The, the Dark Phoenix that is Sakal, since he has superpowers. I don't. I, I'm not a fan of anybody leaving this season. I, I, I don't want. Happy, I'm just really. saying. If it, yeah. that was Jeff's question, right? Yeah, yeah he's saying if they, if they're going to kill off a character, who do we think it would be? I yeah, and I'm with you. I don't necessarily want to lose any of these characters. I like I sometimes think they have too many on this show. Yeah, so the other ones, just like you know, now, even now, Jet Jet Reno, they're just giving her one line and she's still in there. You know, right? It's, so you, the show might be serviced by losing a couple characters, but at the same time, they're they're making it work. Um, so it's not it's not a necessity either. Um, yeah, I, I hope they get rid of that Osira. They need to take her out. She's a bad one. But no, not neither of you think that that uh, is going to be like a like crazy dark phoenix super powered being. I suppose so. Yeah, like it seems like that, but I don't know what is that. What does that mean for the show? And how? What? What? What is? What are they? How are they going to write that? Because they usually don't have an individual who's like a nuclear bomb, like that. So well, I would I would assume he's kind of like an emerging mutant in the X Men universe, where he's he can't control his powers. So whatever connection he has to dilithium is similar to what Book has with his. I call the force where he's connected to nature, right? So it, for me, it's not impossible that he, you know, Sakal become controls his power and is now able to, I don't know, help the Federation locate more dilithium. Maybe. Well, what do you, what would you, what is, okay. What it's kind of an interesting question. If you had like sort of a, a person of mass destruction, which is what Sukal is, Right, and the and the, the X Men storylines and Marvel comics have dealt with these kind of issues. Like, where did the rights of the individual end, and where does sort of like, like the rights of society begin? Because he's sort of a dangerous thing, person uh, who can, like, if not, if you don't, if you don't kind of contain that threat, uh, untold amount of people will die again. We already have, right, and the, the, the suffering that's been inflicted. Because but I of assume. I assume what's going on is because he's on this dilithium planet that whatever powers he has is amplified because of the sheer amount of dilithium he has surrounding him. If he was removed from that planet and only around smaller amounts, he may be able to, at least I theorize, control his powers, learn to use them, and now be able to do other things with them. Potentially. You know, he could... You know what would have been a good uh, a good thing is if um they found out how the burn happened before they sent Georgiou back in time because then they could have been like Georgiou, send a warning or a message or do something to make sure this guy dies across the universe to prevent the burn, you know. Right? <laughs> but now, now conveniently, the next episode. <laughs> convenience, convenience. So. Okay, well, we we've covered the whole plot, so I, you know, and we're coming up to about an hour, you know, seventy-five minutes, so we probably have to sign off soon. But more questions, anything else you guys are wondering about uh, before we we wrap it up tonight? Not me. No. Okay. All right. Uh, you know me uh, either, Jeff. Did you hear our, all our answers? We don't want anyone to die, so stop asking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. I think it'll be the love interest of the main character because that won't last. They, they already took away one of her love interests. 
Yeah. I know. They'll keep doing it over and over. They need new, hot, fresh things. They, they've been good with their writing. I don't know if they're going to repeat things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm feeling the, the the lowest I have out of a show this, this season so far. So I'm really hoping next week turns it around. We oh. see a big... That reminds me. Let's do our ratings while we're uh, while we're on the subject and uh, bring that in here. By the way, speaking of ratings, I've been looking at some of the reviews here on IMDb. Not good. <laughs> a lot of hate coming towards the show, especially this episode. So well, I don't care what ain't other people. Think. Well, no, that's fair. <laughs> that's hey, right, you heard me. That's fair. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I was just reading. I was like, I haven't watched the episode, so I don't know. But I just get all these reviews like, out of words, so bad. What are they thinking? <laughs> you know, I'm just reading these. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Well, maybe perhaps I have rose colored glasses on, but I don't think so. Like, it's I watch a lot of Star Trek. And I mean, dude, you have people ragging on Mandalorian. So, like... oh, that's true. Yeah. Let's cancel Baby Yoda because he ate an egg. Well, how dare he? He's supposed to be vegetarian. Or vegan. Okay, so this episode was called uh, Sukal. Um, and some high numbers you guys are throwing out here. Yes. We, yep. we, we can see like we have it, the lowest rated episode. Our cumulative score was what? Last week? 8.6? Yeah. Or eight point five for the sanctuary, but these are not bad episodes. Let's, um, Michael, you're consistent. Show. You're very consistent. Consistent with I, I am because I I I just love everything. <laughs> At a nine point oh, James, what's your rating? I tried 9.0? to give one episode a nine point one, but it rounded me down. So <laughs> nine point zero one, I believe. Okay, I'm going to give this episode. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine yeah. and a half. I think was it James. Jane's giving it a nine. Yeah. And Michael? Still nine. Still nine. Okay. And Adam? Eight. I, I need I need this to really come up next week. Okay. No, yeah, you, you've, you've been on a kind of a downwards uh, trend uh, the last three weeks. Or <laughs> 10, a nine, and then an eight. I know. So, yeah, not that that's bad though. It's just you know it's different levels of enjoyment. Um, the only episode I gave this season a ten was Scavengers. Um, you know, so there's it's been all over well, the place. Consider though, Terra Firma Part One, Part Two, it would have been a nine and a half. So that's not bad. I would have honestly given this a nine point five for the first time, like this season. Except that where they went with Sakal has me concerned, which is why I took away a point five to go back down to nine. Okay. Like they better, they better stick that particular like like that yeah. needs to have a better landing, because if if this is all we get, that that's the one for me of this entire season. That would be a low point. Yep, that's why I'm I'm sitting at eight. Yeah. Just... Yeah, like it's a, our our the average for the four of us because Jane threw a nine in on this is eight point nine, just shy of a nine out of ten. Like that, you know, pretty good. Like. Uh, we can't say the same thing about a lot of the uh, D Space Nine episodes we watch each week, right, Jeff? Well, you know we're we're going through the 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 part of the show where it's just a boring episode after a boring episode <laughs> until we get to the real plot, and that's just what's kind of going on at D Space Nine and Nine ish right now. Uh, 
that happens though with shows you know sometimes the first two seasons are like meh that's why i like a lot of times with shows i go like let's give it three seasons if people are still talking about it okay i'm gonna binge it you know <laughs> finally with discovery season. discovery it's it's second season i think is a very is a low point for the show and even though there's some good moments with pike and you know everyone some people like that season more than i do but uh i feel like the, what the show is doing now is is the right thing for the show right thing for star trek all all, all around okay anyway all right well anyway so let's sign off it's getting to be a late night it's a boxing day it's a holiday uh thank you guys for joining us tonight and uh talking about this um we will be back next week this is not the last podcast of 2020 because adam and i will be here next uh thursday is it for new year's eve we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about the the uh the the 12th episode of the season michael we, we will be missing you but jane will be coming in to be to talk about that episode that night as uh yeah, we're all in lockdown. the day after or the day after after because yeah the new year no yes the day after the second right so we're looking forward to that in a week we're gonna be covering that also uh, you mentioned we do uh d space nine rewatches on tuesdays we do uh we're in the middle of season two or so now get on board with that on wednesdays we do original series where we adam and i we and my dad and uh jeff and jody we all watch original series episode um check that out on wednesdays and then we do discovery we did uh lower decks earlier in the year and uh we do star trek radio theater which is on hiatus right now we just finished up the first season listened to all that we just uh we did star trek for the voyage home for our season one finale i really recommend you check that out if you haven't already and we're gonna be back for season two we're gonna be doing a mirror universe themed season two uh starting uh, michael what? doesn't even know michael doesn't even know this but we're going to be doing enterprises in a mirror darkly part one and two to start off uh for season two so uh, first time ever doing enterprise uh and right. then we're going to be doing mirror mirror and we're going to be doing a series of mirror episodes to, for for the first part of season two so that's going to be really exciting plus we have our other channels uh super made brothers podcasting jeff and i jameel we're talking about survivor big brother and all those kinds of shows make sure to check that out and also our our, uh, our we also have trivial debates and tomorrow we'll be having our next installment of trivial debates as jody simpson will be hosting we're going to have my son Eamon mater competing along with chris seymour and from star trek radio theater we have tom mott tyrell uh we got some great questions that are going to be asked including uh what it was the best movie adapted from a tv show what is the best tv show adapted from a movie in the music category it's going to be what video game had the best background music in sports what hockey team is the be is best at missing the playoffs uh in history who is the most underrated president and the wild card question will be what video game needs a classic treatment that doesn't already exist a real a re-release with a standalone system with preloaded games from their existing library such as snes classic so check that out at one o'clock tomorrow um and and thanks so much guys i uh, really appreciate it okay take care good night live long and podcast and we'll see you next time all righty have a good one all right good night oh thank you <laughs>